Well, good morning, church. <clears throat> that was exciting. Wow. <laughs> Sheila, what a testimony. Great testimony. I want to thank everybody for the, uh, the beautiful Father's Day card that you guys all signed for me. Appreciate it. Looks like we have to get a bigger card. Because <laughs> even with my magnifying glass, I couldn't read everybody's. But thank you so much for that. And also want to thank you, Jackie, and I want to thank you for the prayers that you've been praying for us. Um, especially on P3, you put a massive prayer in for us, and we experienced the turnaround already by Thursday morning. We had a good turnaround, and yesterday morning was a good time. So uh, the last two months has been very difficult, and uh, you know we don't talk a lot about what's, what's going on, um, but you may or may not be able to pronounce my senior gravis. If you can't, use MG. That's what we use for abbreviation, and that's the illness we're fighting against. It is an autoimmune disease, and it causes the body to turn against itself, and it affects all the muscles in your body that you control. So your eyelids, your tongue, your throat, your breathing, your chest, anything, your arms and legs, anything that you control, it affects that. And the diabolical disease is the more you use the muscle, the weaker it gets. You cannot exercise the muscle if you, ex- if you move it five, six, seven times, it becomes zero. There's no strength whatsoever. So that's what we're fighting against, but we believe that, um, that she's healed and that uh, the best is yet to come, and we're excited about the future. Amen. Amen. I want to endorse uh, the King's Decree one more time about Jody that's coming in two weeks' time. Um, I read quite a lot of books, and this might be the most uplifting, positive, encouraging book that I've ever read. Not only did I listen to it on audio, I bought the book, read the book through, highlighted the book, and I'm on my third reading of the highlighted portions. And uh, so I just want to let you know that if, if you need encouragement, this book is something you have to have. It's not because we're getting anything out of it. As your pastor, I'm telling you, this book will help you more than a thousand hours of counseling. How's that? So get it if you don't have it. It'll also prepare you for what's coming when, when they get here. And uh, you'll be ready and your expectations will be up and we'll be able to receive what God has for us. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your precious Holy Spirit that you've given to us. Jesus, you paid the price for us to have the Holy Spirit that precious anointing in our life, that manifested presence. And Holy Spirit, I look to you today to teach your people, to help them, to open their minds, to receive the revelation about the Father, about Jesus, about yourself, and that every single person will have life-changing information and revelation today that they'll never, ever be the same, and they'll never, ever walk in what they have been walking in, but they'll be walking in a much higher level of your presence and understanding In Jesus' name, I pray. So give me words to speak, to speak life. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's begin. So this is the last in the the mini-series, His Manifested Presence. And uh, you'll recall that the three presences we spoke about, the omnipresence of God, and which is God is everywhere, the inner presence of God, this is God dwelling in us when, the Holy, when you get saved. The Holy Spirit comes to live in you. And then the third presence we spoke about was the manifested presence of God, where God makes himself known to us 
in our natural realm, in this physical realm. We can see His presence. We can hear His presence. We can feel His presence. Now, uh, you know, some people say, we can't feel God. Just hold on, Tiger. Stay with me. Okay, just stay with me. I'm going to take you to something today. It'll open up your eyes and understanding in these things. So what am I going to look at today? Number one, I'm going to look at the manifested presence and the anointing. I'm going to show you that. Then I'm going to show you, number two, the uh, impartation of the anointing for ministry. And number three, why did Jesus say stay? I'll answer that question. Number four, is it possible to hinder the manifestation of the Holy Spirit? And number five, should we pray and sing, come Holy Spirit, um, come into our meeting, fall upon us? Uh, I must tell you, for many, many, many years, I was totally contrary to that, at least 40 years. I would say we shouldn't do that because we have the Holy Spirit already in us and we don't have to pray and sing that He would come. Okay? So thank God for revelation that's continuous, that you can never put a lid on it and say, well, you know, I've got it all. The moment you say you've got it all, you're in trouble. All right? Smarty pants. You need to stay open to what God is saying, what God is teaching you, because throughout your whole lifetime, He will teach you if you'll stay open. And I believe today will be one of those days. So let's look at the manifest presence of God and the anointing. We'll start with Acts 19 and verse 1. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus, where he found some disciples. Here we say disciples. And he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? All right. Now, it's obviously not a rhetorical question. And they answered, no. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. These are disciples. Everybody say disciples. These are believers in Jesus. They are disciples. They haven't even heard that there be a Holy Spirit. And no, they had not received the Holy Spirit when they believed. So, they get baptized in the name of Jesus. Verse 6, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. Say on. on. So Paul lays his hands upon them. They're already disciples. They're already believers. And at that time, there is a manifestation that takes place, which is separate to salvation. The Holy Spirit comes on them. So Paul asked these, this question, why would it be so important to Paul? He meets disciples, and the first thing he says to them, it's not what church do you go to? He says, have you received the Holy Spirit? First question he asks. So please remember this. This is the great apostle Paul. He meets disciples, and he asks them this question. This is obviously not talking about the inner presence, because we receive the inner presence when we got born again. We come to saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus. We trust Him for salvation. The Holy Spirit does the work in us, and the Holy Spirit comes in us. All right? Holy Spirit leads us from within us. Guides us, teaches us, he's our comforter, standby, helper, all that kind of stuff. Every believer has this. So he's not talking about this manifestation. Paul was offering them something different. He was offering them a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, which they had yet not had. Okay, you with me? Okay. So what was he offering them? He was offering them a tangible. He was offering them something audible. And actually something visible to their senses. Because when he laid their hands on when he laid his hands on them, what happened? 
They started to speak. They received the Holy Spirit and they what? They spoke in tongues and they prophesied. Can you hear someone speaking in tongues and prophesying? So it was audible. It was audible. Can you see somebody talking in tongues and prophesying? So it was visible. So they had a sensory perception of the presence of God. There was a manifestation that was visible, audible, and tangible to the physical senses. Are you with me? This is very important that you understand this, that your physical senses have been important, you know, Hallelujah. Maybe I, should, maybe I should just go in tongues and just switch over into tongues. There we go. Your senses are in, involved with this. So there was an impartation. Everybody say impartation. When Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit moved in conjunction with Paul laying his hands on them. The Holy Spirit came on them. This is very, very important. There was a contact that occurred. And in that contact, an anointing took place. An implementation took place. There was a transfer that happened, an impartation. Now, this experience that they had was not as dramatic as what I spoke about last week with the drunkenness and falling over. I mean, they don't record that they fell over and they were drunk and all that kind of stuff. They don't record that. Uh, It may have happened, but it wasn't. The issue of the day. And so this impartation that I'm talking about today doesn't necessarily have such a dramatic experience. But it is life-changing and it is powerful nevertheless. Okay, so question number two, part number two. I'll tell you about the impartation of the anointing for ministry. This was a separate impartation. Now we talk about impartation for ministry. And in Acts 13 and verse 1, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Everybody say prophets and teachers. So they were part of the fivefold ministry. As you know, they're still evangelists and pastors and apostles. So these are two groups, just pastors and teachers at the church. And they are named Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, uh, Meninian, and uh, who was brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, audible. The Holy Spirit said, they heard. I don't think the Holy Spirit spoke out of the wall, out of a cloud. The Holy Spirit spoke through somebody. And this is what he said. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. The Holy Spirit uses personal pronouns. And he said, I want you to set aside these two people for the work to which I have called them. Who called them? I want to hear you say it. Who called them? You see, some folks say, well, Holy Spirit is not here for today and everything else. It's all about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And yet the Holy Spirit called Paul and Barnabas. And the Holy Spirit said to those fivefold ministry people there, I want you to do something. I want you to set these men aside for the work to which I have called them. And then what happened? So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their feet upon them. They gave them left foot of fellowship. What did they do? Everybody say hands. 
Give me those Pentecostal hands. Come on, show me. Give me a little bit out there. Give me a little bit. Woohoo! All right. Place their hands on them, and then they sent them off. So I want you to notice, first of all, what the atmosphere was where they were meeting. It was a time of what? Worship and prayer and praise. And the Holy Spirit moved. As I said last week, we can invite the Holy Spirit. We can create the atmosphere as we do pre-service, during our praise and worship, P3. We create the atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to speak. And we should not be surprised when He does speak. Also, the Holy Spirit gave them very clear instructions. It wasn't mumble. He said, I want you to set aside these two people for the work to which I've called them. Very clear instructions, isn't it? All right. So, now... You know that Paul and Barnabas were already prophets and teachers. But when they got sent out by the fulfilled ministry, they became apostolic ministries. An apostolic ministry is one who is already standing in the office of either evangelist, pastor, teacher, and so on, who then gets sent out by other fivefold ministry. The sent out one, that is an apostolic, apostolic ministry. He is sent out. Or she is sent out, and then there's a whole bunch of other stuff that I want to get into today. So, there was an impartation that took place through the laying on of hands that brought an anointing upon Paul and Barnabas for ministry. They were already in ministry. They were prophets and teachers. But now God is saying to you, I, I, there is a mission I want you to go on. There is something else I want you to do. There's a higher level I want you to go to. There's, a, there's another a purpose and plan that I want you to fulfill. And so I'm going to increase the anointing. I'm going to have an impartation for ministry. That's what happened. You see it? Are you following? Yeah. All right. So stay with me now. And I'm going to show you uh, that this anointing that they received is beyond the anointing that the Ephesian believers received. We just read about it. Paul arrives at Ephesus. He says to disciples, have you received the Holy Spirit? No. He lays hands upon. There's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Okay? They, they are believers. Say believers anointing. Believers now say fivefold ministry anointing. You need to know there's a difference. There's a difference. All right? Often what happens is believers will pray for the sick and they won't see an instant change in the sick. They'll recover. Because Jesus told us to lay hands on the sick if you believe and they will recover. But in the fivefold ministries, particularly the evangelist and the apostle, they have a special anointing upon them. When they lay hands, there's a possibility, strong possibility, that a miracle is going to occur. And a miracle is an instantaneous change. It is a higher level anointing. It is a different anointing. It is a ministry anointing. Are you following me? At least Pastor Cindy is. Praise God. As dean of the Bible college, I'm glad at least one person is following me. Say, I'm following you, Pastor. All right. Now, did you know that Jesus never did a single miracle until he received the manifestation of the presence of the Holy Spirit upon him? Okay? Maybe you didn't. Do you know what was the first miracle Jesus ever did? All you winos? Turn water into wine. And I know you use that as a scripture to defend what you do. If it was wrong to drink wine, Jesus wouldn't have made wine. 
He would have told all those winos, you quit, you had enough. But he said, the party's just getting started. Let's bring out the good stuff. All right, that's enough of my preaching about wine. What I want you to know is this was the Bible says in John 2 verse 11. He said, the first miracle. Watch this. He said, this is the first miracle, miraculous sign that Jesus performed. The very first. It happened after he was baptized in water. Do you remember when he was baptized in water? The Bible speaks about the Holy Spirit coming down upon him. Remember that? The transfiguration that occurred up in the mountain then. Remember that as well? After the baptism, the Holy Spirit came upon him and comes down from the mountain. And he says, television to nobody. Nobody's to have any more television. He said, tell the vision to nobody. Okay. So let me slow down. Let's go to Acts 10.38. I want to show you something. So God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and, say and, and. Power. power. Holy Spirit and power. They go together like the water and the wet. If you get the water, you get the wet. It comes with it. Okay? You don't have to pray for the wet. Holy Spirit came on him. He was anointed with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Do you agree with me that Jesus was as much God before he got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, before he got uh, the manifestation of the presence of the Holy Spirit upon him? He was as much God before as he was afterwards. That baptism didn't make him God. All right? So it's important that you understand that. Okay. So the anointing that he received was the power to bring healing to the sick and to defeat the works of the devil and to bring deliverance. Let's look again at Acts 10.38, how God anointed with the Holy Spirit who went about doing good and healing all who were pressed to the devil. He was anointed for the purpose. He was anointed with the purpose to heal the sick, to bring deliverance. Very, very important. And remember, he didn't do any of those before he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, the third part. Why did Jesus say stay? We all know what the Great Commission is. When Jesus told the disciples to go into all the world and preach the gospel, right? As people often say, you know, two-thirds of God's name is go. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And that is what Jesus told the disciples in Matthew 28, verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. And, so, and surely I am with you always. Don't call me Shirley. And uh, <laughs> till the very age. He said, end of the age. Is there. Okay, so what God, Jesus says, go. But then he says, wait. Don't go. Do you know that he said, wait, but don't go? He told them to go and wait in Jerusalem. He said, I'm going to do this, but go wait in Jerusalem. In verse 49, and that's an uh, error there. That's not 45, by the way. It's a typo. Luke 24, 49. Jesus said, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city. It would be Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. So he said, go and wait for the Holy Spirit that's going to come. Go and wait in Jerusalem. In other words, 
He said, I'm sending you, but I need you to wait. I don't want you to go out and try and be a disciple, try and win the lost, try and do the ministry without this power in your life, without this anointing in your life. You have to wait before you step into the ministry. Now listen to what Jesus just said to every minister on planet earth who stands behind the sacred desk today. You're out of order if you didn't wait and get the power. Is this on? Just, just, just making sure everybody in the world heard me. So influential. Jesus told them to stay. He said, wait, because you can't do it. You see, we need the inter- internal presence of the Holy Spirit to minister to us the peace, the calmness, direction, teaching, comfort. We need that. But we need the manifested presence of the Holy Spirit to minister through us to others. We need the presence of the Holy Spirit in us for us, but we need the Holy Spirit on us for others. You getting it now? So that we just seen it with Jesus. We just saw it with Jesus. Jesus didn't minister to others or do working miracles until he had that baptism upon him. Right. So here's the question. If Jesus needed the manifested presence of the Holy Spirit for ministry, don't you think we do too? Just asking, just saying. Who do we think we are that we can go out in ministry, go to college for four years, get a collar that you wear back to front, a collar that you wear back to front, and then think that you're qualified to minister to the people. Again, I'm just asking. Number four. Is it possible to hinder the manifestation of the Holy Spirit? Is it possible to hinder? Yeah. So you know that the operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit are a manifestation of the Spirit of God? The manifestation of the Spirit of God Let's have a look at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit. We say manifestation of the Spirit. So can we read that clearly? The manifestation of the Spirit. This is the manifestation of God, the God's presence, manifested presence. This is when God makes Himself real to our physical senses. When God shows up in our meeting. This is referred to as the manifested presence. Are you still with me? So the manifested presence of the Holy Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So this manifestation of the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, is given to each one of us so other people can profit. For the profit of all. Yeah? Okay. So, for to one is given the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge, to another faith, then gifts of healings, workings of miracles, discerning of spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. These are all given by the Holy Spirit, and they are all classified as manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? Manifestations. We are talking about the manifested presence of God. That's what we're talking about. And these gifts, 
are referred to as the manifestation of the presence of the Holy Spirit. So if somebody says to you, the gifts are no longer for today, then you have to say to them, so what you're telling me is that we cannot expect the Holy Spirit to manifest ever again. Is that what you're telling me? Hmm. Now notice this. It said the interpretation of tongues. And we know we use that a lot, interpretation of tongues. But it didn't say translation of tongues. There's a difference between translation and interpretation. See, if I speak in a foreign language, and then I tell you what I said in English or known language, that's called a translation. I translate. Or you speak in Tagala, then someone tells me in English what you said. Or you speak in Spanish, and you tell me what you said. It's a translation. <clears throat> translation is usually uh, pretty much the same length. It takes about the same time to say, this is what the person said. But interpretation is something different. When you look at a piece of art, you get a sense of this piece of art and it speaks to you. This is what I see in this piece of art. This is what I feel about this piece of art. This is what I think the artist was trying to say. And what you're giving is you're interpreting what you're seeing. What you're going going through there is an interpretation. It's not a translation. You're not translating the picture. You're interpreting what you're feeling. So tongues is not followed by translation, but by interpretation of what the speaker was saying. The Holy Spirit gives the person who's talking a sense of what God is trying to say to us. Follow? Just throwing that in for you. Now, does the Scripture say to desire spiritual gifts? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We're told to desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit to operate. tells us to, to desire to operate. And if desiring the Holy Spirit is desiring the manifestation, if we're desiring the gifts of the Holy Spirit, then we're desiring the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. I mean, you just stay with me. I don't, don't lose me now, okay? So desiring the gifts of the Holy Spirit to operate is desiring for the manifested presence of God. If that's true, then the converse is also true. So conversely, if we are not desiring the manifestation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it's essentially opposition to the manifested presence of God. Are you still with me? I know we went deep suddenly, like the air went out the balloon, we were under the water. But stay with me. I need you to understand this. So we can resist the manifestation of the Holy Spirit by not desiring the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are the manifestation of God in our midst. And we are told to desire these gifts. If we do not desire them, we resist. So my question is, is it possible then to inhibit or to prevent the manifested presence of God. Well, God is God. He's sovereign. He can do anything. Mm, No, then he would make you pay your tithe. (laughs) I just had to say that because we had such a great tithing message. And I know you're all tithing, so nobody's going to get offended. Oh, we did lose one person. No, No, I'm just kidding. No, but everybody looks to the door. No, we, we didn't. All right. Cindy, you might have to start the car so it can be cool because I'm going to get out of here. 
Can we prevent the manifestation? Can we hinder the manifestation? In 1 Corinthians 14, 39, Paul writes, Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly, desire earnestly to prophesy, and do not forbid to speak with tongues. So desire, desire and don't stop. Don't forbid the tongues. See, in many churches, tongues are forbidden. If you talk in tongues, they kick you out. It says desire earnestly. This is a tremendous sense of desiring. This is desiring the manifested presence of God in the service. And do not, do not forbid speaking with tongues. And then in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 19, do not quench the spirit. Hello. Why would he say do not quench the spirit if we cannot hinder the Holy Spirit? Obviously, we can. Obviously, it's possible to quench the Holy Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Desire prophecy, do not despise it. Don't quench, don't put out, don't extinguish, don't let it go out, and don't despise. That is to treat with contempt, to esteem least, to set at naught. Can you imagine people doing that about God Almighty's presence, esteeming it? With contempt. My God. I feel like lightning's going to strike any minute. They treat it with contempt. And it's the manifested presence of the Holy Spirit. So, yes, it is possible to resist the Spirit of God from ministering as God intends. Last question. Is it scripturally correct to sing and to pray that the Holy Spirit come in our service, fall on us during our services? Is it okay for us to pray that? Is it okay for us to sing it? Because surely, if we have the Holy Spirit in us, then it is incorrect to ask Him to come. But we are told to earnestly desire the gifts. We are told earnestly desire the manifestation. If we desire earnestly the manifestation, it's a manifested present. Let me give two examples real quick. Cornelius' home. Remember when uh, Peter went up to Cornelius' home in Acts 10, 44, and while he was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell. Everybody say the Holy Spirit fell. The Holy Spirit fell on them who heard the word. This is approximately 10 years after the day of Pentecost. The book of Acts goes through each chapter is approximately a year in history. So you see Acts 10, it's about 10 years after the beginning of the, the, beginning of the church. Okay? So about 10 years later, Holy Spirit is still falling. And then the Samaritan revival took place about eight years after Pentecost. And this is found in Acts chapter 8, verse 14. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, watch this now, watch this, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Why? For as yet... He had fallen. Everybody say fallen. He had fallen upon none of them. 
So what happened? They had been baptized in the name of Jesus. They had been saved. There was a great revival. There was healing. But nobody's talking in tongues. Nobody's prophesying. The Holy Spirit had not come upon them. So they sent Peter and John down to them. Verse 17. And they laid their what on them? Everybody say hands. All right, we get this. These things are obviously important in the kingdom. These are at least the third example I've given you. They laid hands on them, and guess what happens? Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit comes on them. There is something about laying hands on people for a transfer for the mighty Holy Spirit manifestation to come upon people. Now, I just want to say this to our wonderful people who are watching online. We love you with all of our heart, and we so appreciate that you are involved and that you love us and, and that you're supporting us. But you're missing out if you can make it to church. Even if it's not this church, if you can make it to church, find a church where you can have hands laid upon you, where you can have that manifested presence of God, where there can be a transfer of anointing to you. You need to have that. Amen? You need to have it. I'm encouraging you deeply to go. There's this impartation or manifestation. The presence of the Holy Spirit came upon them in another way. So the manifested presence of the Holy Spirit is, in fact, for the time in which we're now living. It's called the end time. All right? Let me show you one scripture and we're done, or maybe two. Deuteronomy 11.14. Old Testament, God says, Then I will give you rain for your land in its season. The early rain and the latter rain that you may gather in your grain and your new wine and your oil. The grain symbolizes salvation of people. Jesus said the fields are white to harvest. So we know that he uses that metaphor of harvest for people. New wine always symbolizes Holy Spirit. And the oil always symbolizes the anointing. They used to pour oil on the people when they anointed them for king, priest, and so on. So God promises them a harvest, Holy Spirit, and anointing. In James 5, verse 7, Therefore be patient, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. James is encouraging the people who are getting impatient when Jesus should come now. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the land, waiting patiently for it until it receives what? The early and the latter rain. Two rains were necessary. One rain at the planting of the, of the seed. The other one to ripen the crop. There is a rain referred to as a latter rain or a spring rain that ripens the crop before it is harvested. And James tells them to wait for this latter rain. It's going to ripen the crop. In Zechariah 10 and verse 1, it says, Now ask the Lord for rain in the time of of the latter rain, in the spring rain. So when it's raining, ask for rain. That doesn't sound right, does it? So when it's raining, God is saying you can ask for more. Everybody say more. More. Say it again. More. More. So don't be satisfied with what you've got. Ask for more. How many believe it's raining right now, Holy Spirit? Pouring out. Amen. So we should ask for what? More. More. And is it, is it okay to ask for Holy Spirit to come and fall upon us? Absolutely. Is it, is it okay, Holy Spirit, manifest yourself in our presence? Absolutely. Holy Spirit, move by the gifts in our presence? 
Absolutely. Amen? All right, close your eyes. I'm going to ask you a question. What is God saying to us as a congregation? And then I'm going to ask you the question, what is God saying to you individually? What you've just heard today, what does that mean to you? Well, are we praying for God's purposes to be fulfilled? Or are we resisting His will? We've just found out today that we should desire the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We should devise manifested presence. But we also found out that we can what? Resist. Resist. We can resist His presence. So eyes closed. Listen to this question. Am I willing to put aside my preconceived ideas about the manifested presence of God? Whatever you've thought about speaking in tongues, prophesying, gifts of the Spirit, whether today or not for today, whether you think you have it or don't have it, or you think you've already got it, are you willing to put it aside, put those preconceived ideas? I have another question for you. Do I want the anointing imparted to me for ministry? Now, I'm not talking about fivefold ministry. I'm not talking about being a pastor evangelist. But the ministry to other people. You have the internal presence of the Holy Spirit. But what about the anointing, the manifested presence of God? For you to minister by the gifts. Word of knowledge to somebody. Word of wisdom to somebody. Speak a prophecy to them. Encourage them. Build them up. See, that's not for you. That's through you. Am I content? Last question. Am I content just being a Christian? Or do I care? about the lost, the broken, and the hurting. See, Jesus said, if you're not for me, you're against me. If you're not desiring this impartation, if you're not desiring a deeper walk, if you're not desiring more, if you're not desiring the manifestation of the presence of God upon your life so that you can be a flame burning in your generation, at work, in your family, a light for people to see Jesus, power of God to minister to people. If Christianity is just oh-hum to you, just come to church when I can. Praise if I feel like it. Could you be hindering the Holy Spirit by not desiring that manifested presence? Now I'm going to have our ministry team come forward. And we're going to do an impartation this morning. Let's have the lights up just a little. Just a little. Lights up just a little. We're going to have our ministry team come forward and we're going to lay hands on people. And this is what I want. 
want some guys to clear away the front row of chairs. Stack them. Take hold of your purses. I want a little more room here. Just unhook them. We'll put them back together later. Thank you. I know they're a little difficult to move because they all hooked. They all hooked together. But see, we're going to lay hands upon people for impartation. So, if you have not received, as Paul asked the church at Ephesus, you're a believer, you're a disciple, but have you received the Holy Spirit with that evidence of speaking other tongues, that baptism? If you haven't received that Holy Spirit, you need to come forward now. So let everybody now stand. Everybody's to stand, the congregation. We want you, if you love the Lord with all your heart and you haven't received that experience, that manifest the presence of God, I want you to come forward for prayer. Then, joining that group, joining that group, if you have a heart, a real heart for ministering to other people, and you want to see an increased impartation in your life, I want you to do the next, I want you to join the group that are coming. So, those who come forward for the Holy Spirit, real quick, you're going to lose your place if you don't come. We're going to fill up real quick. If there's anybody else, you want the Holy Spirit to come down? All right. Now the next group, you have that real heart for ministry. Come on down. Have a real heart for ministry. Come on down. Get one in front of every person. Just one in front of every person. And just behind them, give me a little gap. Just behind them, give them a little gap. Okay? Because something special is going to happen here this morning. A little gap. Okay. All right. Do we have any catchers? Do we have anybody who can do catching? Do we have anybody that's standing out there who's willing to catch? Not girls, not girls, ladies. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. But if we could have guys, just stand behind somebody who's praying. Okay, guys? Thanks, Jesse. Appreciate it. Got somebody there? Got somebody there? Okay. All right. So now we're going to lay hands upon you. In the name of Jesus, just raise your hands that you're receiving from God. Just raise your hands you're receiving from God. And in the mighty name of Jesus, as we lay hands upon you, there is an impartation occurring. There's an impartation occurring right now. A deeper level. A deeper level. The power. Jesus said you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for that anointing now. That anointing for ministry. That anointing for ministry. There it goes. There it goes. I sense it going in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. I sense it going. There it is. There it is. There it is. There it is. Thank you, Lord. 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 Do not step back. Stay where you are when you finish praying. Those ministering, when you finish praying, look up at me. When you finish praying for this person, look up at me. Thank you, Lord. 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 Amen. Amen. All right. Now, this is what I want you to do. Those people who've just been prayed for, 
Turn around. Face the person behind you. Not the, not the catcher. Not the catcher. I want the person to step up behind them, and you are going to lay hands on them. Step, step right here. Step right here. We have just prayed for an impartation into your life for ministry, and now you're going to minister. You're not going to minister. If there is a guy in front of you, if you just... Are you waiting for prayer? Okay, just... Would you change with her? David, just change with her. Come forward. Just come forward. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right, here we go. Here we go. All right. Okay. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for him. Would you step forward? I'm going to have guys praying for guys. Would you step down here? Okay, we're just... Turn my mic down and switch mic off. 